Hello, Louisiana. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Tuesday, September 3rd of 2019. Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. The 2019 rice crop has been a disappointment so far. We'll check in with Louisiana farmer and Horizon Ag representative Michael Fruge coming up later in the podcast. But first, here's a look at news headlines. Hurricane Dorian is now making its way along the U.S. Atlantic coastline. Rod Bain has more from Washington. A hurricane full of surprises during its time of activity is now becoming more predictable as it makes its northward trek. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says Hurricane Dorian. It's back over open water over the western Atlantic and even though it appears that it's going to move perilously close to the southern Atlantic coast, it does at this time appear that it will spare the coastal areas a direct hit. Rippey notes past similarities between Dorian and Hurricane Matthew that hit the Carolinas three years ago. However, Dorian should be a significantly weaker storm when it arrives in the region midweek and should be traveling farther east than Matthew, meaning... Heavy rain, certainly a possibility, especially as we move north. We could be looking at anywhere from 6 to 12 inches of rain, perhaps, in coastal areas. That's not going to extend very far inland, so hopefully we can avoid the major flooding that we saw with Matthew when rain pushed a bit further inland. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Carolina corn farmers are bracing for Dorian's impact. Farmers in North and South Carolina are preparing for a major hurricane just as harvest approaches. Rhonda Garrison is executive director of the North Carolina Corn Growers Association. This is a really early hurricane. The farmers that I have talked to east of I-95 are everywhere as far as harvest is concerned. I talked to one yesterday that's in the heart of the Blacklands that he only had 350 acres to go. I have talked to others that the corn is so wet that there's no point in even trying because they don't have the dryer space for it and it'll just sit in trucks and mold. So it's it's coming out the way it went in, which is in bits and pieces. And that's keeping Carolina elevators working around the clock as well. As a general rule, when a disaster is declared, elevators will have somebody, if not on site, on standby 24 hours a day to take loads. In fact, the farmer that told me he only had 350 acres left, he um, he said that he worked until 2 o'clock Monday morning. So, which kind of surprised me because I figured the dew would, the dew would have put him out of the field earlier than that. But as long as as far as there's combines out there, there's somebody at least on standby at most first buying points. And of course, dozens of other Carolina crops are in the crosshairs too, including soybeans, tobacco, peanuts, peaches, cotton, sweet potatoes, and more. Sugarcane planting is behind schedule in Louisiana this year because of constant rain showers shutting down field work. As of last week, Iberia Parish cane grower Ricky Gosselin hadn't even started planting. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, sometimes we, we monitor progress on how much we accomplish, you know, in our field work on any, any given time. And this particular year, we had zero stalks planted in the ground, and here we are approaching September the 1st, and I truly don't expect us 
to get any cane in the ground until the first week of September if, if the weather improves currently. Jim Seamon with the American Sugar Cane League says there are planting delays all over South Louisiana. Generally we like to start in, in early August, the first week or so of August, and we've made some starts, but, but uh, just constant rains have really delayed what we'd really like to be uh, planting right now. We're approaching the end of August and would probably like to be in the 70 to 80 percent uh, completed range and we're probably 30, 40 percent uh, completed with planting right now. In Point Capee Parish, Paul Schecksneider has had some drier weather, allowing him to make progress in getting his cane in the ground. I farm from the bridge to Morganza, and it doesn't rain in the same place every day. So we've been moving around, but we're getting it done, you know. I've been kind of fortunate right here. I think we can, uh, with the right weather, I can finish doing a plant in at least about 11 days. Meanwhile, sugar mills are getting ready to start grinding this month, putting growers in a bind as they try to wrap up planting while starting harvest at the same time. Research is ongoing here in Louisiana to help growers control soybean loopers and red-banded stink bugs. Don Molino reports. LSU Ag Center entomologist Dr. Jeff Davis is doing some work funded by the Louisiana Soybean Grain Research and Promotion Board focusing on resistance growers are facing from soybean loopers. We do have uh, soybean loopers that are resistant to pyrethroids. Uh, that was detected back in the 1990s. We have py uh, soybean looper uh, that we have, uh, say, um, unsatisfactory control with methoxyphenazide some years, some years it's with endoxicarb. But in reality, you know, th we never can predict what's going on out in the field until we actually do that. So in order to be able to give our growers the information they need for soybean looper, we've been looking at the interaction between soybean looper and our other really most important pest that we have in soybean, red-banded stink bug. Now, the products that we do use to control for red-banded stink bug really involve acephate, which soybean looper is resistant to, pyrethroids, which soybean looper is resistant to, and pyrethroids with neonicotinoid premixes. And neonicotinoids don't do a very good job of controlling soybean loop. When we spray for red-banded stink bug, we're actually not killing off our soybean looper, because they're resistant to the things that we're using to control red-banded stink bug. We're trying to understand why then our soybean loopers, after a couple of weeks, those populations increase, probably because we're killing off the natural enemies with those insecticides and not killing off the soybean looper, looking at how do those insecticides that work to control red-banded stink bug interact with soybean looper, and then what is the best control products for soybean looper itself. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Now let's look at the markets on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Soybeans, corn, and wheat all closed lower today with the corn market leading the way down. The biggest thing putting pressure on that corn market? The weather forecast. It actually looks pretty good, reducing fears for a frost in the Midwest. Grayson Close is a grain marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. We've had some pretty good weather in the past weekend up in the Midwest, and that's kind of got the traders on a little bit of a bearish uh, run this morning. All three commodities are down, so it's just not a whole lot of good news out there to make these markets want to pick up and move. 
a lot of demand being shifted to South America as we continue with the trade war between China and us. Uh, and like I said, just good weather across the Midwest, not really any big uh, production concerns and the hurricane staying out in the Atlantic. So not a whole lot of news again, but uh, that's where we're, where we're at today. We're going to watch for the crop ratings at 3 o'clock and uh, hopefully they stay good. Soybeans closed lower, but it was only fractionally lower. The September contract down a half at 8.56 and a half. November beans down a half, 8.68 and a half. But again, the corn market leading the way lower. September corn down eight and a quarter, 3.49 and three quarters. December corn down eight and three quarters, closing at 3.61. September wheat down four cents, 4.47 and a quarter. Rough rice closed slightly higher. September up one and a half, eleven sixty-eight and a half. November rice up two cents, eleven ninety-seven and a half. November sugar down five points, finishing at twenty-five seventy-six. Now with a look at the cotton market, here's Don Molino. Cotton futures at New York were down on Tuesday. The U.S. dollar index also hit its highest points in May 2017 yesterday. The commitments of traders' data showed spec traders and cotton futures and options backing off their large net short position by 770 contracts on Tuesday at minus 40,429 contracts. The cotton decay index down 20 points on August 29th at 70.15 a pound. The weekly average world price for cotton now 51.45 below loan rate. At New York Tuesday afternoon, October cotton 58.26 down 79. New crop December cotton, 57.83, down a penny a pound. March cotton finished at 58.53, down 91. The spot market price for North and South Delta, 56.31, down 74. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. At the Oklahoma National Stockyards on Monday, feeder steers sold 2 to $4 higher. Feeder heifers sold as much as 6 to $7 higher. No test on the steer or heifer calves. The fed cattle market moved lower last week. Sales in the south mostly at 103 on a live basis. That's $3 lower than the previous week. Up north, cash prices did hold their ground. We saw Iowa selling 107 to 109 live, 172 to 175 dressed. Nebraska, mostly 104 to 106 live, with 171 to 172 on the rail. On the futures market on Tuesday, we saw higher prices. October live cattle up 35 cents, 99.27. September feeder cattle up $1.75, 134.15. One thing that seems to be consistent about the 2019 rice harvest is that this is a below average year. We'll check in with Louisiana farmer and Horizon Ag representative Michael Frugier coming up next to get his take on the 2019 crop. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. As the old saying goes, close only counts in horseshoes. So why take the chance with weather information when it comes to critical decisions with your fields? It's time to experience pinpoint field-level forecasts that are 40% more accurate than the competition. Experience the DTN Ag Weather Station. With this level of information, you'll know exactly what's happening at any time in your actual fields. This allows you to plant, spray, and harvest with a new degree of precision. Head to DTN.com today to learn more. The 
the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Our guest today is Michael Frugge. Mike is a Louisiana farmer, and he also works for Horizon Ag as a field representative. Mike, how are things going out your way today? Oh, it's good. We've wrapped up harvest, and uh, we're just waiting on soybeans. Got a little field work we need to do on some ground that we didn't get beans planted on, but it's it's a little too wet. But it uh, looks like we got a dry period ahead of us, so maybe we'll get it done. Hey, Michael, tell us about your farm real quick. How many acres and in what crops? Uh, my dad and I work together. Uh, we got between thirteen and 1,400 acres of rice. Uh, normally, that's we have the same in soybeans, but this year we only got 1,000 acres planted uh, with the weather. Michael, I read your most recent newsletter that you put out with Horizon Ag, and uh, one thing that stuck out to me is uh, this has just been the most crazy year. You haven't seen anything like it. Tell me about that. Well, it did really, you could go all the way back to the end of, of August, beginning of September 2018, uh, really when it started. It started raining during that time, and really and truly it hasn't stopped since. Uh, sure, we've had some dry periods here and there, but uh, we have not had an extended period of dry weather. You know, we, we in that time frame, I don't think we went one month uh, with it being dry uh we might have had a week or or you know four or five days here and there but we we haven't had an extended dry period and that just created a lot of issues uh going back to last fall we couldn't get any field work done uh had a lot of people behind schedule going into the spring we had wet weather in the spring it delayed planting slightly one once it did dry up to plant we had a very narrow window got the crop planted, and then it was just on and off rains all year long. Uh, that really carried into harvest, and quite frankly, it's it's still going on. You know, we do have some dry weather ahead of us, but uh, if you look at a, a long-term forecast, it doesn't seem like that's going to stick around. Uh, but we take what we can get. Michael, you said that yields are down everywhere that you see with a lot of the farmers that you work with in southwest Louisiana. Um, tell me about the yield so far this year. What are you hearing from a lot of your neighboring farmers and a lot of your clients out there? Everyone I've talked to has been off. Uh, I have not had one single farmer tell me they've cut an average crop this year. Uh, they're, they're all down. The uh, percentage on how much they're down does vary. Uh, the minimum is 10%, and the maximum is 30-plus is percent. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, 30-plus percent is across an entire farm. There are some in the, the deep southwest part of Louisiana that uh, are off at least 30% across the board. But most of it is kind of very, kind of varies. You know, you'll have a field that's off 10 percent, then your next two or three fields are off 20, 25 percent. Uh, everything is down, no matter what you planted, and no matter when you planted it. Uh, typically, on a, if you want to call it a normal year, your early planted rice is going to be your best, and you're going to see a gradual decrease in yield the later it's planted. Uh, but this year, we really started off down from the get-go, no matter when the rice was planted. 
and uh, it never we never really saw an uptick in yields, and uh, it's just been pretty bad all year long. Any idea why that is, other than just the crazy weather and Mother Nature? No, you know, you you mentioned you read my newsletter, and, and I put in it, I put in there that I just I have no idea. Uh, there's not one thing, and I've I've asked multiple people this, that that question to see if they could enlighten me on something, but I have not had one thing to stick out and say, oh, that's why we're cutting poor yields. I think it's just a huge combination of things. I think it can go all the way back to the spring where we had very erratic stands. Uh, some fields, actually a lot of fields, took a complete month before you could call it 100% emerged. Uh, when you have that much variability in emergence, you have a lot of things that could go wrong throughout the growing season, and I just don't think the crop ever caught up Uh not that it couldn't have, but we just didn't have the weather for it to catch up. And uh, I just think that had a, a huge effect. We just started off on the wrong foot and were never able to get back on track. What about second crop rice, Mike? How is the regrowth looking right now? You know, it's kind of like this, the way we started. Uh, it, it's erratic. It's slow. Uh, some fields look really good. Some fields look poor. We also have some fields that, that from one cut to the next uh, is different. I, I honestly feel like if you go back in these fields and think about your emergence in the spring, we're seeing the same thing in the second crop regrowth. Uh, the, the areas that took the longest to emerge seem to be the slowest to come back. And... Uh, <clears throat> Some people have told me, including myself on my farm, uh, with the with the second crop being slow coming back, I think I pushed the water on it too quick. I should have delayed it. But again, you go back to having very short short dry periods. We happen to be dry. I wanted to get my fertilizer out on dry ground, so I put it out and I had to start the water. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I probably should have waited because I think I did kill some some areas small areas that were slow to come back you you when you harvest your crop and you got all that residue in there and you come back with water and you got 100 degree days or you know 90 plus degree days that water gets extremely hot that straw goes to decaying and anything that is slow to come back and you put it on the water you end up killing it Michael, are you also seeing the same situations over in East Texas where you work? <clears throat> the guys I've spoken to, yes, their crop is uh, is off. Uh, I guess the, the ones that I really put a lot of value in have told me that, that hybrids are off 10 to 15 percent and, and inbred varieties are off 15 to 20 percent, and that's pretty much across the board. Uh, their biggest thing in Texas is uh, – they have a major smut problem. We we had smut in Louisiana. Uh, a lot of people I talked to had it in, in all their varieties and hybrids. But Texas seems to be much worse. Uh, they're having a hard time getting rid of, of some of their lots because, uh, because the smut is too high. Uh, this is not a, a new problem in Texas, unfortunately. It's been probably three or four years now. They've really been battling smut. 
Uh, some years are worse than others, but every year they seem to have an issue controlling smut. And what's concerning me is that we're starting to see more and more smut in Louisiana, and I'm just afraid that that's creeping over into Louisiana as well. Yeah, I saw some pictures recently online of uh, of some farmers that are definitely seeing an increase in it. What, any idea why that is? I, I don't. You know, we we I, I really don't. We have resistant sheath blight in Louisiana. I don't know if there's such thing as resistant smut. I, you know, are we missing our timings? Uh, is it just uh, a matter of we putting out fungicide and getting so much rain after that? You know, I don't know. There's so many variables, and uh, that's just beyond me. Well, it's just definitely one of those crazy years that leaves a lot of questions unanswered, that's for sure. Tell me about soybeans before we wrap up here, Michael. How's your bean crop looking right now? Um, it's late. We planted... We didn't get to plant beans till I think the first part of June or, or the very tail end of May, uh, which is not ideal. But uh, we plant it then about 10, 10 days to two weeks after we plant it. We caught a really big rain, about a 10-inch rain. And to my surprise, we had probably almost 800 out of 1,000 acres uh, or 700 out of the 1,000 acres survived and made it through. Uh, we ended up having to replant 300. And then, uh, so when it's all said and done, we got 600 acres that look really good. We got 200 acres that look so-so, and then we have 200 acres that looks looks kind of poor. Uh, they're a long ways from being in the, in the bin, but... That's 600 acres that look really good. I'm pretty excited with, and uh, hopefully we could get them harvested and get them in the bin uh, because we definitely need the yield to make up for the lower price. That's Michael Frugier. He's a farmer in southwest Louisiana. He also is a field representative for Horizon Ag. Thanks so much for your time, Michael. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. And that wraps up another edition of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We'll be back with you tomorrow, but in the meantime, connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at Voice of LA Ag. We'll see you tomorrow on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.